So I guess they wanted me to preach right here today. <laughs> um, this week, or excuse me, last week, we were studying God's Word, and we were looking at Jesus and watching as the, at His baptism, as the skies opened up, the heavens opened, and the, the Spirit of God came down and rest on Him like a dove. And we heard the voice of God saying, This is my Son, whom I love, and Him I am so pleased. And, and we talked about how the, the Old Testament scriptures, how God was quoting the Old Testament and bringing all these things to bear right here at this moment when Jesus was baptized. That in one sense he's being baptized, like many of us have been baptized, but something bigger was happening here. And as we heard the, and we looked at the Old Testament, the scriptures that were underlying this moment, we see that Jesus is also anointed. Anointed as God's king, his great king, and his servant drawing up these images of Messiah and servant from the Old Testament, right here at this moment. And we talked about that, and maybe some of you, most of you who were here, remember we had that a sewing box. And those of you who know what a sewing box is, you can picture it, how you, you pull on one part and you just open it up, and it just extends out in all these directions. And we, we took this passage, and almost like a sewing box, we opened it up, and we heard all the Old Testament, all the things that God was speaking, come to bear on this moment of Jesus being baptized. God's King. God's great king who's brought God's great kingdom. Now, many of you have been following Jesus for a while, but maybe some of you who are kind of new to faith, you're thinking, okay, so I I see where you're going. Jesus is this Messiah, this king from from the house of David. He's he's the servant and he's a savior. We kind of get the idea of king. I'm coming around to that. I'm wondering if any of you question, but what kind of king is he? What sort of king is Jesus? When we say, like this morning, we sang, King of kings and Lord of lords. I wonder if any of you, if it crossed any of your mind, what sort of king are we talking about? See, when I think of king, it's, it's a mixed bag for me. But I'm, I'm interested to hear from you. What sort of things do you think about when you think of the word king? Yeah, king. Like, so you have a very good understanding of king right now. Yeah, that's great. Any other thoughts or when you think of kings, what do you think of? Interesting. Yeah, I start thinking of human kings, not quite like Melchizedek or like Jesus, our priest and king, but I think of human kings, yeah. Full of grace. Yeah. Right. When I was thinking of kings, interesting, humble. We'll be talking about that today. When I was thinking of kings, I think of the ideal of a king. And a king who is noble, who is humble, who is wise, who is courageous, who is strong and cares for others. But then I also start thinking of human kings, and sort of like Doug was saying, dysfunctional families. I think of kings who, are, who lust for power, not just power, but more and more power. 
or some kings who have been bowed to for so long that they start believing their own press or they start believing that they really are that important, that the world really does revolve around them and they start mistreating people. I think of some kings who have been in history, they're just tyrants. So for me, king is sort of a mixed bag. And I look at the track record of human kings throughout human history and I start to wonder, I think it's okay for us to ask, okay, Jesus, you're king. We're seeing that. But what sort of king are you? That's why I love the scriptures. That's why I love the word of God because Matthew and Mark and Luke and John, Peter and Paul, these guys want to show us that Jesus is our Savior, that he is our king. But they especially want to show us what sort of king he is. And we're going to look into that today. So if you, if you have your bulletin, it has a short piece of paper, or if you want to look in your Bibles, that would be even better. Turn to Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. <coughs> this is the story of Jesus being led out into the desert to be tempted by Satan. And there's tons of stuff here. This is deep, broad waters. There's lots of stuff here, but we're going to focus in one area. We're going to focus on looking to see what kind of king Jesus is. So read this with me. It says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Let's just take a moment, just this first section. As you read this, or as I read this, I've been thinking about this week, that, that we see here the sort of king that Jesus is. Jesus is a trusting and faithful king. A king of trusting faithfulness. He's trusting his Father in heaven. He's faithful in it. See, Jesus has been in the desert place. He's been out in this deserted place by himself for 40 days, which is hard in and of itself, but he's been fasting for 40 days. And unless any of us sort of think, well, he's Jesus, so, you know, he's fine. It says in the text, he was hungry. <laughs> he's been fasting for 40 days, and he was hungry. And so Satan, the deceiver, he comes to him, and he, he attacks at the one place where he's obviously weak right now. He says, Jesus, turn these stones into bread. That doesn't sound that bad, does it? <laughs> I mean, we make bread. Our family, we make bread a couple times a week. What's wrong with making bread? I mean, Jesus is the, he's the, the Son of God. I mean, turning stones into bread. He's hungry. Why not? So you see how tempting this is. I mean, making bread in and of itself isn't that bad. But Jesus knew that God had brought him out there for a reason. He's growing in faithfulness, demonstrating faithfulness to his Father. So Jesus says to him, he says, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now, it's interesting because Jesus right here, he's quoting the Old Testament. He's quoting Deuteronomy 8. Let me, let me just read it to you. If you want, you can read along. If you want to turn your Bible, that's great. Chapter 8, 2 to 3. Or if you want to just look at the white sheet here. It says, this is what Moses, when he was talking to the people of Israel encouraging them just before they went into the land to be faithful, to remember the God who had saved them and the covenant that they had made with him. 
Moses says, Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the desert these 40 years to humble you and to test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna. Or for those of you who maybe don't know manna, manna is bread that God provided from heaven. Which neither you nor your fathers had known to teach you that man does not live on bread alone but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Jesus is quoting this text to Satan saying, I am out here because I am growing in faithfulness to God. And even though, I mean, we don't know, I I suspect Jesus is completely able to turn stones into bread. I mean, he fed 5,000 people with five loaves and, and two fish. I mean, he can make lots of bread from nothing, let alone from stones. He's out here to grow in faithfulness. He's out here being faithful to God. And to just make bread out of stones would undermine that. I see that Jesus is resolved to trusting faithfulness, to faithfully trust his Father in heaven. He's here in this desert facing temptation, especially at his weakness, and trusting God. Faithful trusting. That's the sort of king he is, a king who faithfully trusts. But there's more. Look, at me with, look with me at this next section. The second time Satan says, speaks to him, he says, Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he says, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up on their hands, or in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. But Jesus answered him, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. <laughs> so we see here how in the beginning the first time Satan spoke to him he, he, he attacked at his weakness Jesus is hungry and he talks to him about bread here I'd say it's almost as if Satan is going more at Jesus' strength because Jesus I mean it's we're talking we've sort of broken this up over two weeks but there's just two verses earlier in Matthew's gospel where we hear God saying you are my son whom I love, and you I'm so pleased. And then Satan says, if you really are the Son of God, prove it to me. If you really are who God says you are, prove it. Show me a sign. Make me believe. I can only imagine how tempting this was for Jesus. Imagine the ability to to shut Satan up, to shut the deceiver up by just jumping off, being saved, and proving that he was the Son of God. But Jesus quotes the Old Testament again. He says, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. That quote, too, comes from Deuteronomy. It comes from Deuteronomy 6. He's, he's not biting on this, on this challenge. See, and I think it's interesting, too, is that Satan, not only is he challenging Jesus' identity, and maybe I'm reading this wrong, but he, he picks up on the, script, on the Scripture quoting thing, too. Because when he, says, when he says, he will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone, he's actually quoting Psalm 91, a psalm of God's faithfulness to help people. I, I, I don't know, I mean, I'm not in the mind of Satan, thank God. <laughs> But I could almost hear him saying, 
you want to play the scripture game with me, Jesus? Here's one. Throw yourself off this building. And, and God will save you. Let's see if God is who he says he is. I can imagine how tempting this is for Jesus. Not only is Satan challenging who he is, if you really are the Son of God, but he's also challenging Scripture. If Scripture is true, then just prove it to me. Jump off. Or even bigger than that, what Scripture says about God. If God will command his angels, if you are in trouble, prove it to me. And Jesus quotes to him, Deuteronomy 6. He says, Do not put the Lord your God to the test, as they did in Meribah or Massah. In Deuteronomy, it's referring back to Exodus, when the people of God, when God had brought them out of Egypt, God had saved them, they continued to complain and to complain. And it was at Massah when they said, What have you brought us out into the desert to die of thirst? Thanks. And Moses comes back and he comes to God and he says, God, these stiff-necked people. And God says, take your staff, walk in front of the elders, strike the rock. And he brings out water. And they name the place Massah and Meribah, which means grumbling, because God had provided for them. People were questioning, is God real? You brought us out here into the middle of the desert, is God real? And Jesus, you draws up this whole Old Testament, this whole Old Testament story, and he replies back to the devil, back to Satan, and he says, yes, God is real. God is real, and I don't have to jump off buildings to prove it. You see, Jesus has this temptation to show him with power who he is. Yet he remains humble. This humble faithfulness as a king. Because he has great power. Jesus has power that we don't even understand. But I'm I'm realizing more and more, it's not so much the power you have, but the strength of your character to know how to use that power. The humility to faithfully follow God, to not put God to the test, to not put God on the spot, and to faithfully follow him. Jesus is this great king who will humbly and faithfully follow God. So we've read through the first two sections. Are you guys still with me? The first, we see Jesus faithfully trusting God. The second point, we see Jesus humbly and humble and faithfulness following God. Even though he had immense power, he still faithfully does it God's way. And then Satan speaks to him one more time. It says, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give to you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan. For it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and the angels came and attended to him. Satan is pulling out all the stops. Because Jesus has come to make the nations his, to bring, to reconcile all the nations back to God. And it's, I know it's twisted, and we see it because we're not in the moment, and we see the problems with it, but if you realize it, that Satan's actually talking about what Jesus has come to do. Here are the, here are the kingdoms, Jesus, the kingdoms that you've come to be king of. Here they are. I mean, it, it would be tempting 
If you are here to bring goodness, you have to bring righteousness and God's justice and mercy to the kingdoms, and someone said, here are all the kingdoms, it would be tempting. Let alone if they said, here are all the kingdoms, and you don't have to do any of that sacrifice stuff. It's just this tiny little act of worship. You don't have to do the whole cross thing. The suffering for the sake of others. Imagine how tempting that would be. Now the interesting question is, did Jesus know where he was headed? I think at, uh, quite possibly as a son of God, he knew exactly where he was headed in terms of the cross and the suffering and the betrayal. Even if he, but even if he didn't quite know exactly the details, he knew the Hebrew scriptures that spoke of him. The things that Isaiah spoke. The prophecies about a servant of God. That Jesus was understanding that he was the servant. Isaiah spoke of it. He said, he was, crushed for, he was pierced for our iniquities. He was pierced for our transgressions. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we have been healed. For we all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has gone our own way. But the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. Jesus knew these texts, these passages from the Old Testament, these prophecies about God's servant, and he knew that they were coming to bear on his life. I believe he knew where he was headed. I believe he knew the sacrifice that he was going to have to make to faithfully follow God, to redeem God's people to God. And he chose it. Think about this. I mean, Satan is giving him here a fork in the road, two ways. Giving him the option, Jesus, here's the easy way. All the kingdoms, none of the sacrifice. What do you say? And yet Jesus faithfully chooses to follow God. Faithfully chooses to follow Him, knowing full well what it's going to mean for Him. We see that Jesus is not just faithful, but He's faithful in a self-giving way, in a sacrificial way. We see that He's a King who faithfully trusts God. We see that He's a King who's humble in His faithfulness. We see that He is a King who will give up everything for faithfulness to his Father in heaven. Are you tracking with me here? You're seeing what sort of king we serve. What sort of king Jesus is. Now the question for us is, okay, I see king. Jason, I see what sort of king he is. Where does this touch down in my life this week? Or how does this matter to me right now? Well, it, huge implications, let me just say that, in ways that are still figuring out. But this week, at least, let's focus on one spot, one thing. As the king, so the kingdom. Say that with me. As the king, so the kingdom. And what I mean by this specifically, as the king, as our example, as he lives, so do we. That we too, that our lives would be marked by faithfulness. Trusting God when it's scary. Humbly following God when we have the power to do it our own way. And self-giving faithfulness. Ready to give ourselves even when it costs, even when it hurts.
Because I know some of you are here this week and you are in a hard situation. You are in a hard spot. I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. Keep faithfully following God. You're in this hard spot and you just want out. It hurts. You're tired of it. You're frustrated. You just want out. God, give me relief. I know what it's like. I've been there. That feeling, that knot in your stomach, like that pain you have, like you've been fasting for 40 days. I want to encourage you to hold on. Trusting faithfulness. Faithfully continue trusting God. Just as Jesus did. And I'm not just saying this, like pull yourselves up by your bootstraps. I'm not what I'm saying. Because we have help. Surprising help. Amazing help in the Spirit of God. God's Spirit. The same Spirit who came and descended on Jesus dwells in us because of what Jesus has done. That by God's Spirit, we can trust God. We can rely on Him. Faithfully follow Him. If you are in a hard spot, if you've been in a hard spot for a while, I want to encourage you one more day. One more day. Trust God. As the King, so the Kingdom. Maybe some of you are thinking, you know, Jason, I, and I know some people are having a heart right now, but things are actually pretty good for me. I want to encourage you in humble faithfulness. When things are going well, that is a dangerous time for us too. We are tempted to think, you know, God, thanks, I kind of got it figured out for a while. I'll let you know if I have any trouble. Pride comes before the fall. We start to get cocky. We, we see temptations and we think, you know, things are going pretty good. I can handle that. Bring it on. That's not the way our king does it. As the king, so the kingdom. Remain grateful. Remain humble in your faithfulness. Relying on God. Watching Jesus the way that he's done it. How humbly he faced these temptations. Especially temptations that were poking right at his pride about who he was and about who the, what the scriptures were and who God was. Yet he remained humble and faithful to God. Some of you may not be in a really hard spot. Some of you may not be in a great... Some of you might be in the middle, and you're, but you're facing a difficult decision. A dilemma. And I'm not talking about where to go on holiday this spring. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about real dilemmas. They have real repercussions. Good choices and bad choices. I want to encourage you to follow our King. To make the right choice, the faithful choice, even when it hurts. Even when it costs you. Even when it costs you money. Even when it costs you time. Or maybe it costs you a relationship with someone. Continue doing the right thing. The faithful direction. Because we have an amazing king who's gone before us. Not only has Jesus shown us the way, not only has Jesus been tempted, been tried, and found a new way for us, a faithful way forward, but also through his life, through his death, through his resurrection, the sacrifice that he made, the death that he died, that we might have life, he's made us able to follow him. He's reconciled us to his Father. He's given us his Spirit. 
I want to encourage you when things are tough, when you've got a tough decision in front of you, choose the faithful choice, even when it burns, even when it costs you. This is what our king is like. As the king, so the kingdom. Now this is a tough one. Because sometimes you get a while to work on things. You get a while. I've got a, you think to yourself, I've got this dilemma. And I've got some time to pray about it and think about it. But sometimes we don't have time. Sometimes these choices come up to us and we have a moment to decide what we're going to do. Faithfulness or not. And I can tell you, in that moment, if you're going to start trying to figure out how to do it, you're already sunk. No, we prepare for faithfulness by continuing to be faithful. Even in the little things. Those tiny little things in our life where we think, you know what, nobody's going to care if I cut a corner here. Nobody's going to care if I kind of bend the truth a little bit. Actually, it's probably better if I bend the truth a little bit here. And these little things, they train us for good or for bad. So when the big things come, we are weak. I want to encourage you this week. How this affects our lives. As the king, so the kingdom. If you're in a difficult spot right now, I want to encourage you to keep following faithfully, trusting God in his faithfulness. If you're in a good spot and things are going great, I want to encourage you into a humble faithfulness. Continue relying on God that you do not fall. If you're facing a difficult decision right now, of good or bad, I encourage you to keep choosing the right thing. Keep choosing the faithful course. But here's how I want it to work. Here's how I want you to do this week. As we talk about faithfulness, it's one thing to talk about the faith, choosing the faithful choice and to keep trusting God when it's hard and to be humble when, it's, when things are going great. But it's another thing to do it. And so this week, I want you to train in faithfulness. Train in faithfulness. Now, here's what I'm concerned about. Some of you are going to hear this train in faithfulness and you're going to think, try harder. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying try harder. Because trying harder is a lose-lose proposition. When we try harder, when we don't train or anything before, and we're just going to try harder, the best case, we fail. Best case, we fail. And we say, God, forgive me. I, I was not faithful. Please forgive me. But at least we stay humble. At least we stay open to God. Worst case, we try harder and we succeed. And we do look more faithful for a while until we start to pat ourselves on the back for being so faithful, for being so strong. And we start to look down on those who can't. And we start judging them, which is its own sort of failure. Trying is not the answer. Training is the answer. We're talking about training, not trying. And when I talk about training, I talk about training that that our brothers and sisters have done for centuries. Training in faithfulness through things like fasting, learning to set aside our hungers for faithfulness, 
When I'm talking about training, I'm talking about serving others. Even when we can't even find the time in our schedule to do it, we still serve people. Make sacrifices in our lives to help others. That's training. Or we keep doing those tiny little things, those tiny little decisions that we think, oh, this doesn't matter. It, it does. When we keep doing the right thing, even with the tiny things, so when something big comes, we're trained, we're ready, we're strong to do it. In his letter to the, to the church in Corinth, Paul talked about training. He says, don't you know that in a race everybody runs, but not everybody wins the prize? Therefore, run in a way so as to win the prize. Everyone who competes in the games, they enter into strict training. They do it for a crown that won't last, but we do it for a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I don't run as someone running uh, aimlessly. I do not fight as someone beating the air. I beat my body, make it my slave. So that when after I have preached to others, I will not be disqualified from the prize. We're talking about training here, not trying. Trying is saying, deciding to yourself, I'm going to run a marathon in a few months and then just continue living your life, eating junk food and sitting on the couch and showing up on start day. That's trying. That is a recipe for disaster. Training. Thing. I've got a marathon coming up. I'm going to start small with 4K and I'm going to work up. I'm going to prepare for this so that I show up on start day and I've got a chance. I want you to train this week in faithfulness. But here's how I want you to do it. I want you to spend time reading God's Word and praying. I know some of you are looking for something way more strenuous than that, but trust me, that's the root of it. That's the best place to begin. Spend time reading God's Word and spending time with our Lord. If you want a suggestion, read Matthew 4, 1-11 about temptation. Read this passage. Try reading it just once a day and just ask God, Lord, train me in faithfulness through, the, through your Word. Train me in faithfulness. Do that this week and you will begin or continue your training. I'm hoping this morning that you are seeing that Jesus is the great king. But I also hope you're seeing this morning just the sort of king that he is. That he is the son of God who is humbly and faithfully trusting his father in heaven. I pray that you are seeing that he is the Messiah who will humbly follow God. That he is also the servant. The servant of God, the savior who will sacrifice everything to reconcile us to our Father in Heaven, to make us right with God. This is amazing news this morning. Bless you as you go out this week and train in faithfulness.